Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 31 to 38. Hear God's word. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where you are going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay my life down for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Thank you, Jimmy. Shall we pray? Everlasting God, the radiance of faithful souls who brought the nations to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising, fill this world with your glory and show yourself to all the nations. Today we ask that you open our hearts and minds to the grace and glory of our Lord's command to love one another. Praying through him who is the true light and the bright morning star, Jesus, your son, our Savior. Amen. In the Bible, love is seldom what we feel, but rather love is what we do. Jesus can't command us to feel a particular way, but he does command us to act. And he can do that because he has set the standard for love. We don't judge love by a tear in the eye or by the hormonal reactions when boy meets girl. We judge the actions of love by Jesus' actions. And this leaves out narrow sectarian love that fears all others, like those who spend their time calculating the end of the world and then also making a list of people who won't be rescued by God in the end. People have done that for a long, long time, yet the world has not ended. Here we are in a brand new year. What I would ask of them is, how do you obey Jesus? What do you do in response to your faith in Jesus Christ? The kind of love Jesus mentions cares more about others than about our own skin. Once again, in the Bible, love is not a feeling, but rather an action. Can you see then why Jesus would call this a new commandment? Oh, people have been told to love for centuries before Jesus. Love was touted in ancient cultures, religions, and philosophies. But Jesus takes the idea of love and grabs it with his bleeding hands and turns it in a whole different direction. 
He gives the church love as our singular reason for existing. For all time, the church has been about the love of God in Jesus Christ. And not so we can just speak about it, but so we can show it, demonstrate it, do it. Jesus' command is new because the motivation he gives is new. As I have loved you, said the Savior. It becomes new every time we do it or, or, or experience it. In verse 31, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. What, what does that mean? Well, what that means, let's say that glorifying God, as John describes it in his gospel, is enhancing the reputation of God, basically. Enhancing the reputation of God is what we do uh, to glorify God. God's reputation, of course, was enhanced when Jesus came, when Jesus lived, when he died, when he was raised from the dead. That was to impress upon the world God's very nature. He let the warmth of God's love shine through him to the world. John Stott tells a story about a Scottish minister who visited a church member who had drifted away from the community of faith. Upon entering the home, the minister sat down with the man in his den before uh, an enormous hearth and fireplace. Neither of them said a word. Finally, the minister leaned forward and with a pair of tongs picked a glowing coal out of the fire and set it uh, on the hearth. It soon turned to gray ash and eventually went out. Then the minister picked up the coal with the tongs again and put it back in the fire, and within a few seconds it was burning again. Then the minister got up and left. Neither said a word throughout the entire visit, but the point was made. The next Sunday, the man was in church, returned to his family of faith. So how are we to experience the rewards of a family that comes together for three simple words, love one another? I don't know if I'm just too obviously looking at what the answer is, but the answer to me is, by joining one, by joining a community of faith, we can develop ourselves spiritually to the degree God intends only within a fellowship, only with other Christian people surrounding us. This is why finding a faith community and committing to it is essential to the spiritual life. Apart from life and community with other believers, we cannot keep the one another's of the New Testament. And by the way, that's where we're going in these first five Sundays of the new year. Uh, all the one another's, here's a short list of these biblical directives that have formed the sermon titles uh, for today and the following four Sundays. In John 13, love one another. In Colossians 3, forgive one another. 
In Ephesians 4, bear with one another in love. In Ephesians 5, be kind and compassionate to one another. And in Romans 12, be devoted to one another. We're going to learn about keeping the one another's that are scattered throughout the New Testament, but they all have, it, have their foundation in this three-word command from Jesus, love one another. Verse 34, this is why joining a church, becoming a member of a church is an important step to take. The Bible teaches in Ephesians 2, in Romans 12, that in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then Paul says in Ephesians 2, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now the Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Now, these two verses hold three foundational truths. First, the church is a family. Second, God expects Christians to be part of this family. And third, a Christian without a church family is a contradiction in terms. Not only does becoming a member of a local church community express obedience to the scriptures, it also moves us to a place of faithfulness to the gospel and committed participation with other believers. It presents an opportunity to step down from the, ble the bleachers and to walk out onto the playing field so we can get in the game. Think about how to answer this question as we talk about the relational life of loving one another. If two horses can pull 9,000 pounds, how many pounds can four horses pull? If you thought 9,000 pounds, you were wrong. If you thought 18,000 pounds, you were wrong. The answer is two horses can pull, while they can pull 9,000 pounds, four horses can pull 30,000 pounds. Now, if that doesn't make sense, it's because you haven't been introduced to the concept of synergy. Synergy is the energy or force that is generated through the working together of various parts and processes. Adam Smith wrote about synergy in his classic book, The Wealth of Nations. He wrote that 10 people working individually can produce 20 pins a day for a total of 200, but 10 people working together in the same place at the same time can produce 48,000 pins a day. Synergy is bigger than just tasks or production or the weight that you can pull. It has to do with all of life, lived with other people. Married couples talk about the benefits of marital counselors. Athletes talk about the importance of trainers and coaches. Business people talk about how to succeed as a team. This concept is true for the spiritual life as well. When we start developing strategic spiritual relationships in our lives, the impact can be phenomenal. So if you aren't already a member of our church, 
What are you waiting for? My experience is that God is apt to do almost anything that will make us grow or that pushes us to an even greater dependency on him. Jesus was totally dependent on his father. Their relationship, father and son, had an interlocking love that could not separate them. God was glorified in Jesus' death and resurrection, and God will be glorified in you and in me if we learn what it means to love one another. I don't think of myself as an argumentative person. My wife snickered at that comment at 8.30, by the way. We'll discuss it later, honey. Even though I'm a pastor preacher and I am expected to present convincing arguments in sermons, but occasionally there's somebody I come across who would be, uh, I guess the right word is adversarial. You know, they want to take me on. They want to they challenge me on a certain topic and debate me. I try to think to myself, hmm, this situation is a report card on how well I have learned to love one another. So be very careful. I may strongly disagree with them. I may not like their attitude. I may not like their approach to a conversation with me. Most folks are simply known for their opinions. I'd much, much rather be known for my love. So when I interact with other people who aren't like me or don't think like me, I ask myself this question. So what do I want to be remembered for? So what do you want to be remembered for? Amen. Thank you for joining us. A video recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmore Church.